finds Jesus' first followers in pain and in confusion, not really understanding what's happening to them. They knew that it was supposed to be good. Jesus had said it would be good. But you've probably had Jesus say some things to you that you thought would be good too. And they start happening and it's not quite what you expected it to be. And so this is producing in them confusion and some inner strife and probably also some outward focused kind of stressed out bickering in their relationships. And one of the things we know about life is that Big transitions like what these guys were experiencing, they give rise to issues, but they cannot resolve them. To resolve those issues, you need a word from another reality. The present reality can't fix it or would it. And Jesus is actually promising them a word, a person from another reality who would be with them always and forever and that it would somehow make all this make sense. But what are you supposed to do? I mean, put yourself in his first friend's positions. What are you supposed to do with something or someone who's not yet real to you, who really is a word from another reality? If it's a word from another reality, are you feeling me here? It means you can't grasp it. You've never experienced it. It is literally from another reality. And so you're being comforted with something that in, in some senses you have no understanding of. You have no experience with it. Well, what do you do when you have no experience with something that Jesus is promising? And I want to suggest you trust. You place your confidence in it. You bet your life on it. You cling to it like for dear life. You come to rely on it. What we're talking about here is the third person of the Trinity. We're not talking about something that was invented on TBN. I mean, can we just get real here for a minute? We're not talking about something, you know, that was invented by turn-of-the-century Pentecostals. This isn't about being a charismatic Christian. We are literally talking about the third person of the Holy Trinity, who Jesus said would be with the church forever and ever until the kingdom that he inaugurated is consummated. And so it's not only the third person of the Trinity, but, but it's God's plan. He is the spirit of Jesus. So if we did a little pop quiz right now and said, okay, who in the room loves Jesus? Everybody would raise their hand. Yeah, I love Jesus, right? Well, this is the spirit of Jesus, that same Jesus who said to you, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He is the spirit of Jesus. You say, well, then what about like all the crazy things then that charismatics and Pentecostals do? I don't know. I don't. I don't have really anything to say about that. I don't have any beef with it. But I just want to say that's a comment on us. It's not a comment on the Holy Spirit. And actually, I sort of get it. I mean, if you've read the Bible, when angels appear to people, merely an angel, and they freak out. Like, I can guarantee you if Gabriel suddenly, or Michael showed up behind the table here, we would all probably totally freak out. And if somebody were standing in the back, they'd go, wow, this is a bunch of Pentecostals. 
Because people would be standing and screaming and kneeling and weeping and doing whatever it is that you do. So, see, that's more a comment on us, but the intent of the Spirit is that he carries on the person and work of Jesus, who is gentle and humble in heart. It's just that when sometimes we see the reality of God in sort of a more naked way, where he's not as veiled, it does produce human reactions, for sure. And there's no issue with that, but I don't want you to equate the two. Here's what I'd rather you think about, that one's view of the meaning of Christian life is if you were just ask me from my experience over the decades, I think what actually shapes someone's view of the Spirit is their view of the Christian life. Because if what we think is essential about Christianity is that we've sinned, and we need somebody to take care of that problem, and that somehow we don't really get it, but somehow Jesus takes care of that in his life, death, burial, and resurrection, and now we go to heaven when we die. If that's our sense of what's essential about Christianity, well, then the Holy Spirit does remain in our minds sort of optional. But what if you're supposed to be an ambassador of the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated? What if, you're, what if your life's supposed to be a part of the story? Okay, Everybody catch this. Jesus is alive and is presently living an actual life on the earth today. Did you hear me? He is actually living a life on the earth today. He continues to superintend human history that he spoke with his Father and the Spirit into existence. He invites us to be an ambassador of that kingdom. Well, as soon as you want to do that, you're going to be going, come Holy Spirit. As soon as you start trying to actually be a part of the body and trying to follow the head, well, then something else begins to shape our imagination, where the Holy Spirit becomes something more for a way of life. You know, when Jesus commissioned his first followers to go out and spread the gospel, he, he had in mind a way of life For he said to them, go out and train everyone you meet. He didn't say go out and make sure everybody knows they're going to, their heaven, to heaven when they die. Now, that's important. I don't mean to say it's unimportant. It's un, the problem of death being conquered by Jesus is unspeakably important. So let's just stipulate that. But what Jesus has in mind is, go teach people to live this kind of life that I've been teaching you to live. Instruct them in the practices that I've been showing you. And then what's the last words of the Great Commission? And I'll be with you. Day after day after day, right up to the end of the age, right until the time that the kingdom is consummated. Well, how is it that Jesus is with us? Well, Luke 24, 49, don't leave this room until you've been filled with power from on high. As Dennis read the gospel reading to us this morning, you, I won't leave you as orphans because you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how it is that Jesus remains with us. Okay, I got a little confession to make. In all the sermons we've had together over the last three years, this is the first one that's actually a community sermon. Evidently, the Holy Spirit was stirring people up today because Dennis emailed me with an idea. Beth had an idea. Cindy had an idea. This is a community sermon. And here I want to say something that actually the Lord has been showing Cindy for a number of weeks now. We just haven't had a chance to say it. And that is what the Spirit, we think, is particularly wanting to do for us as a people right now, right here today, May 2013, 
is to empower us for just basic daily living. Lots of us come here this morning with confusions and hurts and pains and stuff that, that mirror what was happening to those guys in the upper room. And, you know, some of us might have, you know, kind of miraculous or near miraculous or really powerful things or great expressions of authority that happen through our, our lives. And, of course, we would all rejoice. But I think we're being given by the Spirit just the capacity to deal with human life as it is today. So then what does it mean, as we read this morning in the meditation with Beth, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it means in an indescribable, unending range of activity, actually. But most of us come from traditions that, that either, one, emphasize one of two things, like speaking in tongues and prophecy, or others come from traditions where the Holy Spirit really doesn't matter all that much, and we're not even sure what we really think about it. And of course, you know, we see that in Ephesus and Acts 19, where they've never even heard of the Holy Spirit, but they're prayed for by the apostles. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they did speak in tongues and prophesy. Now, just think about that. You're living in this really confused reality. Jesus says a new reality comes, is going to come, and he comes, and you see and hear this weird stuff. I mean, what is, what is one to make of that? I wonder what we would have thought. What would it have been like, weird or wonderful or scary? Or an encouraging sign that God was with them as he had promised. And so the Holy Spirit can be mishandled by overuse, and we've all seen that. But the Holy Spirit can also be grieved. You know, the, Spirit, the Bible says he can be grieved. He's a person. And the Holy Spirit can also be aggrieved by being ignored. And I think the, the correct thing between kind of craziness or ignoring him is what Paul said to the Corinthians, to eager, des, eagerly desire the gifts, eagerly desire the greater gifts, Paul said. That is to say, how do we interact with the Spirit? Well, we ask. And uh, this is, was the inside of Beth, that if you look at the upper room discourse, it is just full over and over and over again, seven or eight times, with in, when this new reality comes, come on, get this, when this new reality comes and I'm no longer with you in a body, and you feel those moments where you think, ugh, this would be a really convenient moment to ask Jesus what to do, what am I supposed to think about this, how am I supposed to be feeling right now? He says, in those moments, just ask. And if you will ask, you won't be left as an orphan. I will actually send to you my presence. And he will keep teaching you and leading you and guiding you. So the way we correctly interact with the Holy Spirit, in my view, is we just cooperate. We believe. We start. If you've started and growing weary, persevere. Again, we ask. We recognize the Spirit's activity around us, and we just welcome him and embrace his life and his leadership. Because really to receive the Holy Spirit or to be baptized in the Holy Spirit just simply means to be immersed in his reality. Baptizo is a basic Greek verb that just means to be immersed. It's taken on all kinds of religious um, connotations, and that's great, that's fine. But the basic Greek verb just means to be immersed in. And this is what the scriptures envision for us that You've been immersed in the person of Jesus. Like, you know that phrase, um, 
uh, he or she's bigger than life, you know, when, when they walk into a room, the whole room changes. Well, just multiply that times about a million and you have the effect of being in Jesus's, you know, presence. And so what Jesus, again, is envisioning is that you would take your life and in that big presence of the Holy Spirit, you would immerse it in that. Now, for those of you who care about, you know, careful theology about these things, um, I would say this, that every Christian has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to all of us at our conversion. But not all of us at every time, in every moment of any given time, are living in such a way that it's actualized in us. This is why in the, spirit, in the text we read uh, from Ephesians, Paul actually says, I want you to continually always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're given the Spirit at conversion, and he comes in, and he seals us. He sheds the love of God abroad in our heart. He does all these wonderful things at conversion. But then as we go through life, we do as we've done this morning. We ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what he does. He equips us for ministry. So once we want to be an ambassador, he gives us the equipment for that. And, and you know, this, is, uh, this was Dennis's insight that I, frankly, had never thought of before, but it's obvious once you think of it. That one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he creates a selfless community. That up until you get out to the Gentiles with the conversion of Cornelius and what theologians often call the second Pentecost. So from the first Pentecost to Cornelius in Acts 10, every time the Holy Spirit comes on a group of people or a person, he gives them the capacity to will the good of others. An uncommon love such that they would share their possessions even with one another. And then again, I think this gets right to what Cindy's been seeing about that this is enabling us for just basic kind of human life. The Holy Spirit also gives us authority. It gives us a sense that we are Jesus ambassadors and that we do have the right to act in his name. He gives us power. Uh, the gospels are full of this, and so is Acts, this notion that the Holy Spirit brings to the church capacity or ability to act to do what our rabbi did. And I just want to say, you will probably never come to an adequate, practical understanding of the Spirit if you think what's most important here is to think right things about Jesus. That is not the rabbinic tradition. The rabbinic tradition was to not know where your rabbi was from and, you know, did he go to Yale or Princeton or whatever. It wasn't merely to think right thoughts about your rabbi. No, Amate Tays, the student of a rabbi, was trying to learn to do what that rabbi was doing. And that is what the Holy Spirit gives us, the capacity, the ability to do. And then, of course, Galatians 5, he gives us um, the fruit of the Spirit or spiritual uh, formation, transformation. And then, of course, you've got the Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians passages in which he gives gifts. Now, around here, because a lot of us are, this is a new church and a lot of us are new, I think it's really important to say that around here, to the degree that, you know, I can have say, we will always interact with the person and work of the Holy Spirit who is humble and gentle as Jesus. With no hype, we'll never exaggerate stories. No manipulation. You'll never be forced to do something you don't want to do. We will always try to act in the most natural ways possible with humility and with tentativeness. 
So that if I felt like the Lord was saying something uh, to me about Demi or Cindy or whoever, I would always say, and I've been doing this for 38 years, trying to hear the Spirit's voice and walk with Him. I would still say, Cindy, I got up this morning thinking about you, and I might be nuts. Like, really, I could be wrong. But here's what I think. Why is that important? Because nothing the Holy Spirit ever does through us cannot leave the person in charge of their life before God. Not even God manipulates people. Think of the rich young ruler. And on and on and on. It is so important that when that conversation is over, that Cindy knows she's in charge of her life before God. Not me. I'm just simply trying to be an ambassador. All right. So what do we do here? What do we, when it gets right down to it, I think the, the reaction that God intended from the church as human beings was to ask with confidence concerning the Holy Spirit. That we would have confidence that though Jesus is away from us in body, he's remaining with us by his spirit. And that we can be confident of this plan of Jesus, its reality. And therefore, as he said over and over again in that uproom discourse, we can ask. We might wonder, well, what happens if we ask? Well, this is one of my favorite passages, Luke 11, you know, where Jesus has just taught the disciples how to pray. And he's trying to give them confidence that when they ask, what will happen? And so he says, well, which one of you fathers would give your hungry child a snake instead of a fish? Or a scorpion instead of an egg? And then he says, as bad as you are, and he's just drawing a contrast here between even our human goodness and God's, as bad as you are, you still know how to give good, good, give good gifts to your children. But your heavenly Father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. That's the important your heavenly Father stands even more ready to give you the Holy Spirit than you stand ready to feed your baby. Are you feeling me here? Our Father in heaven stands more ready to give us the Spirit than we stand ready to feed our children. If we will just but ask. So if this really is about normal life, it is, if it really is, as Dennis said, about a capacity to will the good of others, if it's, as Beth said, about asking, well, then what do we do? Well, here's maybe some ways for you to start this morning as we come now to a time of prayer. Maybe this morning you would say, I just want to know Jesus better. Or maybe you'd say, I want, to, I want the power to be an ambassador of Jesus in his kingdom. Others might say, I want the tools to live the Christian life that God is calling me to right this moment. And then the last thought I want to leave with you as we're going to have now a time of prayer is the end of John's gospel where it says, and Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And he gave them the capacity to go out and be his first ambassadors. So what we're going to do now is we do um, have kind of a, one of our rare traditions here in this new little church is to pray for one another on Pentecost Sunday, to not just talk about it, um, but to actually do it. And so we've got four or five uh, people 
um, Beth and Michael and Pablo and Jody and Susan and I probably forgot somebody <laughs> and me. <laughs> um, we, we will kind of station ourselves around the room here and Cindy's going to lead us in some worship. And as you feel led, and I really mean that, right? Remember, no hype, no manipulation. As you feel led, you can just get up as the rest of us are singing and come to one of the people around the room and you might just say, I'm really feeling the need for gifts to do this calling or I'm, I'm like one of the disciples really cute, confused about this and I need the Holy Spirit to come in this way. And we will just pray a very simple prayer over you. And if during Eucharist you'd like more prayer, you can. If after the service you'd like more prayer, you can. But here we will pray just a very simple prayer affirming with you, yes, Holy Spirit, come to my sister here and give her the capacities she needs to do what you're calling her to do. Amen. It'll be about that simple. So as we begin to sing now and we get in place, if you'd like to do that, please come and we'd love to pray for you.